Hello there, Heartbreakers. Welcome to another episode of Heartbreak Hill Podcast. Listen, if you are just now joining us, we are currently doing a series to get in preparation for season six. That's right, six of Heartbreak Hill Podcast. So each day up until April 3rd of 2023, when season six launches, we will be celebrating International Women's Month by coming with a woman and her story from the Bible. Okay, listen, the Bible has all of the game that I know. Okay, so that will more than likely be my point of reference for all things that I deem to be true. All right. Now, if you've been with us, like I said, for a few days, we've been doing this on a daily basis. Last time we were together, I did Hagar. Okay. Now, today we're going to do the story of Rebecca, which is a very interesting story, if you don't, if you, if if I may say so myself. Okay. Now, before we go ahead and get into today's content, I just want to remind you if you are listening to this episode on any of the podcast platforms, please be sure to go ahead and leave us a review. Okay, if you are listening to this or watching this on YouTube, any of the other social medias we have, please like and share and subscribe to our channel. Okay, people need to hear these things. Okay, these are not things that we grow up hearing about or talking about. And so I think that it's important that we spread the word. And most of all, you know, Heartbreak Hill podcast is 100% funded by listeners and viewers. Okay. So without your support, whether it's by sharing, whether you're a person that donates every month, we would not be possible. Okay. You can also catch us Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Speak Minneapolis Network, which is actually the Comcast Network on Channel 17 if you are in the Minneapolis area, okay? So let's go ahead and get into today's content, okay? We're here for a good time, not a long time, all right? So Rebecca, okay? Oh, and by the way, the commentary that I'm reading about Rebecca today is coming from Life Magazine, okay? We are in no ways affiliated with Life Magazine. We own no rights or partnerships with Life Magazine. I am just reading from uh, the edition of Women's History that Life Magazine did back in 2016, um, 25 stories of women from the Bible. And I've been using this content uh, because when I first came across this magazine article, okay, the 25 stories, even though there are more than 25 women in the in the Bible who had impact. But when I read this, it was eye-opening and eye-changing for me. So I encourage you to look this up whenever you get a chance. Life Magazine, and this edition is called Women of the Bible. Okay, let's go ahead and get started. So Rebecca, okay, Rebecca. Rebecca is going to be deemed as the determined mother, okay? She was one of those mothers who would do whatever it took for her children to be successful. Well, at least one of them anyway, as we'll find out in the story, okay? So when Isaac comes of age, now remember from last time, Isaac is the promised son that came from Sarah and came from Abraham, okay? They had another son before that, Ishmael, which is actually in the lineage or the prophet Muhammad who began to found Islam, excuse me, later on in life, comes from Hagar's lineage with Ishmael, okay? Isaac, is who we're going to start this story off with, which is the promised son of Sarah and the promised son of Abraham that they ended up having when they were way past childbearing years, okay? So when Isaac becomes of age, when the promised son becomes of age, Abraham seeks a special bride for his son, and he dispatches a servant to the land of Mesopotamia, okay? 
the servant returns. The servant returns from this search. Okay, He's, Abraham sent the servant out to search for a wife. Okay, the man soon reaches the village where Abraham's brother Nahor lives. Okay, the servant beseeches God by to bring by the perfect woman. So the servant goes and he searches like Moses tells him to, and he winds up in Abraham's brother's part of the world. Okay, while he's there, the servant is reaching out to God, asking God to send him a son, or excuse me, to send him a sign of the woman who will marry Isaac. Who is the woman, God, that I will bring back to Abraham and say, this is a suitable wife for your son, Isaac. Okay. So the servant, the Bible says that the servant beseeches God, that he reaches out to God and the servant beseeches God to bring by the perfect woman. Before he even finishes speaking to God, Nahor's granddaughter, Rebecca, appears. Okay. She is not only very fair to look upon, a virgin, but also helps water the camel after their long journey and invites Abraham's servant to stay in her home. Okay. So essentially the message or the response that the servant got from God was that the woman that is for Abraham's son, the woman that is for Isaac, she will come and she's going to offer you something to drink. Okay. And not only is she going to offer you something to drink, she's also going to offer something for your camels. Before the servant even finishes praying and speaking to God, Rebecca appears and she offers water to him and his camels. Okay. But not only that, she invites them to stay in her home. Now she has no idea who these people, this person is. She knows that he's a servant or a slave because slaves and, and um, servants and slaves in this particular time were easy to identify. Right. All she knows is that she sees a hungry slave. She gives them water, gives the camel water, and then she invites them back to her house. Okay. Abraham's, she invites Abraham's servant to stay in her home. There, the marriage pact is made and she is giving a blessing in language that, as a sign of her importance, echoes God's promise to Abraham. So the servant essentially blesses her and says, may you, our sister, become thousands of myriads. May your offspring gain possession of the gates of their foes. So Rebecca makes her way to Canaan, where she marries Isaac. The Bible tells us that he loved her, making this the first time the Bible proclaims marital love. Hmm. Yet after 20 years together, Rebecca is, just like Sarah, not able to conceive until God gets in the middle. Okay, She has a very difficult pregnancy. And during that, pra that pregnancy, God tells her that the twins she has in her stomach, so she gets pregnant with twins. And God tells her that those two will grow to be two divided nations. Okay, Now, a lot of people attribute this story to meaning... Um, racism or being built on the basis of race. And theologians argue about things in the Bible all the time. But one thing we know for sure that everybody can agree on that has studied this in some type of way, shape or form is that from Rebecca's womb, there are two separate lineages that are created. Okay. So um, she becomes pregnant with twins. God tells her that the twins she bears will grow into two divided nations. Okay. At their birth, Isaac, loves the older son, Esau, while the younger son, Jacob, becomes Rebecca's favorite, okay? When Isaac becomes old, his vision begins to go, okay? He tells Esau to come and receive his birthright blessing, which is something that is very sacred in those days to the original son, okay? The first son is the one who always gets the blessing no matter what, okay? Yet, first he tells his son to make him some food, 
Okay, Rebecca overhears the conversation between Isaac and Esau. Now remember, Isaac and Esau are like this. Okay, Rebecca is like this with Jacob. All right, just keeping that in mind. So Esau calls one day to Esau, tells him to come and get his blessing. Okay, so uh, Rebecca overhears this, and when she overhears this, she tells Jacob, "Listen." I'm going to make the food. I want you to go in and get the blessing from your father. Okay. Now, what's not in this commentary is that um, Esau is essentially tricked out of his birthright by himself. So even before the mother begins to plot and plan this whole thing where Jacob is going to dress up and pretend to be Esau to get the blessing, um, Esau is super hungry. He returns from hunting in the fields because the Bible describes them as two opposites. Esau um, is more of the gentle sort, while Jacob is more so, um, excuse me, I said that wrong. Jacob is more of this domesticated in the house type, Rebecca's favorite, while Esau is more of the one to be in the field. Okay. So just wanted to throw that out there. Rebecca overhears Isaac say to Jake, Isaac, Isaac say to Esau, come on in, I'm going to get your birthright. So Rebecca goes and tells Jacob, listen, I'm going to dress you up. I'm going to give you the food that your father asked Esau for, and I want you to go in and get that birthright. Okay. So she tells Jacob that she will make a meal for him to bring to his father. She then dresses Jacob in his brother's clothes and put goat skin on him so he can feel hairy like Esau. Okay. This trick works. And through Rebecca's actions, Jacob receives his father's blessing and thus inherits the mantle of leader of their people. Okay? So, what can we learn from the story of Rebecca? What can we learn about the mother who risked it all to have her younger son get the blessing because there's a few different things that could have happened here just so that we're clear on the history. So if you're caught trying to steal someone's birthright or birth anything back in those days, the consequence for that was death, right? And there usually wouldn't be a single soul in the land that would disagree with you being put to death for doing something so foul. So Rebecca was willing to risk that for her youngest son. Okay, and for whatever reason, her and the first son, her and Esau didn't connect in that way. And sometimes that can happen. And those of us who are mothers or who have raised children kind of know on a personality or even temperamental level, there may be one child that you click with the most, though you are commanded to love all your children equally. Okay, so what can we learn? There are three things that I say we can learn from Rebecca's story. Okay. The very first thing that as a woman living in the 21st century, as difficult as that is, because I feel that as a woman, what is expected of us is always changing. You know, the laws are trying to be in place now that says all you have to do is take hormones and dress up in a certain type of way to be considered a woman. Well, I beg to differ. And all throughout the Bible, we have examples of why it's more than that. Okay, so the true definition of a woman and my first point and my first thing that we can learn from Rebecca is that a woman in her essence, her essence of who she is will arrive before she does. And here's what I mean by that. Okay, 
as a woman, your manners and your characters will speak louder than anything else about you. Okay. When the servant was praying to God to show him who the wife would be for Isaac, who is it? Who You have to understand that in this land that he went to, uh, there's nothing but beautiful women around. Okay, look up some of these places that the Bible talks about sometimes because it really gives you a context of kind of what was going on in that region. And when you can kind of see the people that were there, the things that they were doing, it is uh, it gives you a better understanding. So where Nahor lived, where the servant ended up going to search for a wife, there's nothing but beautiful women there. And not only are they beautiful women, there are women who to be quite frank, have a lot going on, okay? They have a lot going on in terms of what they can bring to someone that they marry. So a lot of times, the reason why the father or the mother may go and search out for the wife is because there's certain relationships that they want to form. There are certain kingdoms, for lack of a better term, that they want to bring together, okay? So in this particular instance, the servant ends up in a place where there are nothing but baddies around, okay? so. What made Rebecca stick out out of everybody? What made her out of all of the baddies in Nahor's town? Okay, Nahor is the brother of Abraham where the servant ended up wandering to. He eventually landed there. What set her apart? What made her different? And I'm telling you that what made her different was her character. Who she was spoke louder than anything else about her. Because remind you, all of the women there are beautiful. So by her asking a servant, do you want something to drink? And not only do you want something to drink, what about the people that are with you? What about the camels that are with you? There's no people with them, but the camels. They can have something to drink too. And not only that, I know that you're tired, so you can come into my home and you can rest. Okay? Mind you, she does not know who these people are. She does not know that this man is literally looking for a wife. She was simply being herself. Okay. She was simply being who she already is. So as a woman, your character and your mannerisms speak louder about who you are than anything else. You being a wife doesn't start when you get married. Okay. You being a woman of value doesn't start when you do valuable things. It all starts with your character and how you present yourself on a day to day basis. Now, anybody who knew who Isaac was in this day, if they seen those camels and they seen his servant, they would have been offering something to drink. I know I would have. If it's the, 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 the king of the land or the, the, the son of the king of the land or whatever position that Isaac held at that time, if I knew who that was, of course, you can drink. You want something to drink? Y'all all can get something to drink. You can get something to drink. You, I would have been like Oprah. You get something to drink. You get something to drink. You get something to drink. Okay. Most women operate in that manner. When we know that someone is watching or we know that we're being pursued or we know that a man is maybe looking for particular things, it's kind of in our nature to want to show up as that thing, especially if it's somebody that we really, really like. Y'all ain't got to be real with me. I'll be real with me. Okay. When it's somebody that you really like or you really want to catch their eye, you we have tendencies as women to fake the funk appear and show up as as someone that we're not. And what this story is telling us is that your character, who you are, is going to speak louder than anything else about you. It doesn't matter how many inches you have. It doesn't matter 
how good you can beat your face. It doesn't matter how many BBLs you get. Okay. Your character is what ultimately is going to speak louder for you. And your character is what will attract the right person and people to you. Now, I don't want us to just think about this in terms of relationships or marriage. Okay. Your tribe. A lot of women say they have a hard time finding friends. This here, this story that we just talked about and how she led with her character and she led with a genuine heart, a genuine giving heart. Okay. And that's not to say if you lead with a genuine giving heart that you won't get played, but you're not supposed to keep getting played for the same thing. That's the, that's the key. So a lot of times you'll hear women say, well, I don't have friends because all my friends have hurt me or I'm single because all men are dogs. Well, we live in a fallen world. You guys hurt is inevitable. And I hate to say that because it makes this, this life that we live sound hopeless. And, but that's not the case. But I, I have to be honest with you and tell you that no matter how genuine you are to people, sometimes you will be hurt and you will be betrayed and you will be backstabbed. But the key and the, the wisdom is to not keep getting hurt and not keep getting played about and by the same people, about the same thing. OK, if you are a person and you lead with genuine care, kindness and love, people shouldn't be able to play in your face often. And the solution is not. Okay, I'm going to stop being kind and giving and generous. That's not the solution. The solution is I'm going to open up my mind and get wisdom and clarity and discernment about who I should be open, caring and generous to. You understand? You you understand that part? That brings me to my second point. So first point is a woman. As a woman, your mannerisms and character will always speak louder than anything else. The second part, be mindful of what people around you are looking for. Now, even though Rebecca did not know that this slave man was essentially the slave of somebody very important. It was Isaac's right-hand man, his right-hand slave. She didn't know that, right? But as women today in the 21st century, we have to be careful of what people around us are looking for. There are people in this world who genuinely... Um, go out in the world, whether it's on social media, on Instagram, whether it's at work, whether it's at school, wherever it is that you spend time on TikTok, wherever, right? There are people that are looking for a mark, looking for victims. They're looking for people that are kind, that are genuine, that are have a lot to give, that are loving, they are looking for people like that to use. So you should always be mindful of what the people around you are looking for. Now, how do you know what the people around you are looking for? How do you know what that man that you just gave your phone number to? Yeah, he fine. But how do you know what it is that he's looking for? That friend that you met and y'all are now kicking it and talking and texting. How do you know what it is that she's looking for? By what comes out their mouth? I'm giving you some game right here that had I known this 10 years ago, I would be 10 steps ahead of where I am right now. You can, if you would just close your mouth and open your ears, 
People will tell you not only who they are, but what they are looking for. Now, it takes time. If you are dealing with a con artist, you're dealing with a person who has extreme narcissistic qualities, which we all have, by the way. I just want to throw that out there. All of us have narcissistic qualities, but overload is when it becomes evil. When you have somebody who has these evil traits about them, who has intentions for you that are not good, they cannot hide it for a long time. And a lot of times you, we as people, as women, as whatever, we ignore those signs because we want what we want so bad. You know this dude ain't no good. You know it. You didn't took him from somebody else, or maybe you ain't taken him to somebody else. Maybe he didn't play it in your face before. Maybe he just coming at you and you see that his character is not right. But if nonetheless, it's coming out of his mouth, what he's looking for, what he's about. But we want sometimes what we want so bad that it doesn't matter. Rebecca wanted her second son to be on top so bad that she was willing to portray her first son. And it ended up causing two nations that I essentially were in conflict forever and ever. We'll get into that story at a different time. But that's essentially what she caused when she gave that son the birthright that didn't that it didn't belong to. She helped deceive her husband for her son's sake. And what I'm saying is, is that the second point is that we should always be mindful of what the people around us are looking for. Now, Rebecca, again, she did not know that the slave man was looking for a woman, a wife for his master's son. She didn't know that. Okay. But she knew to show up as herself, to show up with character. Okay. Now she didn't just come out and give the keys to them, give the keys to the servant and the camels. She didn't come and give them all of her possessions. She didn't get him no cuckoo. Okay. She didn't come and she didn't, you know, give them access to her life savings. She didn't, she offered kindness, water, place to stay, something for your journey. That's it. She held everything else back. They didn't know a lot about Rebecca. It actually took some convincing for her to go with them. Read the word. This story is in Genesis. Okay. Know what the people around you are looking for. Okay. One last thing I want to stay on this for a second. If you read in the book of Timothy and I, it slips my mind, I believe it's second Timothy, but I'm not sure. In the book of Timothy, it talks about how there are men. It literally uses the word men. And I know in the Bible, there's different um, ways where God will say like man and he'll be talking about humankind or like a human race. In this particular part of the Bible, in this verse in Timothy, he's specifically saying that there are men in this world, demon possessed men. OK, mean that they come from straight from the pits of hell that are literally seeking women to come into their homes and devour them. And in the Bible, this same particular verse goes on to talk about how the men are able to do that. It says that the men are able to do this thing. They're able to come into the homes of women and deceive them and destroy them because the women have desires so deep that they don't want to trust God to fulfill these desires. Read your Bible because it got a lot of game in there. And that's essentially what I'm talking about in the second point. Know what the people around you are looking for. Now, I know I'm using relationships example, but like I said, this is even for friends. This is at work. This is for business partners. Listen to what people are saying and you will know what they're looking for. And it won't take a lot of time. It may take some time because people can be cold. And the devil has been here way longer than you, way longer than me. So, the ability to deceive is great. 
So you got to listen for a while. But nonetheless, you will see and you will know what people are looking for if you just listen to what comes out of their mouth. Last thing. This is just a general kind of overarching thing for mothers in general. You will always have a propensity, even if you have twins, you will always get along with one of your children more than the other. This is not something that women will ever talk about. You will never hear a woman admit this because it's not supposed to be like that. But naturally, if you are a woman that has multiple children, you will get along with one more than the other. If you only have one child, you may be putting a little bit uh, too much pressure on that child or whatever. But you always have one child that you respect or like get along with more. The key is to not show it. Okay? The key is to not treat your children any different. I don't care what kind of guilt or shame you struggle with. So a lot of times and when when mamas have messed up with the first child, they try to overspoil the younger children. Or sometimes if the first child was raised in an environment that caused them to make some bad decisions, sometimes what women will do is they will take one child and hold that child on a pedestal. Okay, don't do that. That is wrong. That will divide your bloodline just like it did with Rebecca. That's the consequence. And this is why I love the Bible and I find it to be the coldest book on the planet because it shows you what happens when you do certain things. A lot of times in the Bible, God will give us commands about things and he'll tell us not to do things, but he won't tell us why. When you read the Bible and you see the stories of the people who did the things that God is telling us not to do, it's clear as to why we shouldn't do those things. So I'm telling you, if you read in Proverbs and in Psalms, it talks about favoritism. This is what happens when favoritism comes. Okay. When you esteem one child more than you esteem another, you're dividing nations. You're dividing your generations and not in a good way. Okay. Listen, you could have been anywhere in the world, but you decided to be here with me. We will be back tomorrow with another woman from the Bible. I believe next we're going to do Rachel, and then after that we're going to do Leah, but we'll see. Okay? Thank you so much, guys, for tuning in. Thank you so much for tuning in to Heartbreak Hill Podcast. Our mission here is to use multimedia channels to break generational curses in our thought process. Our motto here is breaking hearts, blowing minds, one conversation at a time. Please note that our entire production is brought forth by listeners and viewers just like you. Thank you. If you'd like to support the show, please visit our website at heartbreakhillpodcast.com.